Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. Let's bring some life to these words that I'm going to share with you today. Jesus says, I am the light, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time uh, talking. I just want to get right into some scripture. If you are taking notes, and I hope that you are, we have them printed there for you. In John 8, 12 is where we find Jesus' first introduction into this scripture where he says, I am the light. You find these words. He says, Jesus spoke to the people once more, and he said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Jesus spoke to the people once more. When I, when, when I read this scripture, I had to pause on once more because I wonder what he was saying before he said this. What happened right before he said I am the light. What was going on that he had to point this particular uh, scripture out and say, I am the light? What happened right before this that caused him to pause, say this, and begin speaking to the people once more? Well, if, if I may share the story that precedes this scripture, Jesus had just been in this temple during the festival of Tabernacle. And in the fest, during the Festival of Tabernacle, he was in a particular area uh, where, where, where they were burning these huge uh, menorahs. And in these huge menorahs, they filled them with oil so that they can burn forever. And he's in there, and he's talking with the people. And all of a sudden, a group of uh, religious leaders interrupt him. Jesus! Jesus! Jesus is like, what, what, what's going on? I'm, I'm doing the Festival of Tabernacle. And they had this woman with her. Now, we do have young ears, but you all, this is going to be PG-14, okay, today. It's going to be PG-14. And so, who did Jesus have with him? He had the adulterous woman. And some of you may be familiar with her story. She got caught in the act of adultery, and, and these religious leaders brought her in front of Jesus, and they were trying to trap him up. So let me go to some scripture here so you can know that I'm not making this stuff up. This is real deal. I'm not going to say holy field. I said it, right? So it doesn't count. So it counts. Okay, here we go. So here's the story of the woman at the well. I mean, the woman uh, caught in adultery. She, 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 apparently these religious leaders... I don't know if they heard about her doing some stuff she wasn't supposed to be doing. I don't know if it was a setup or if it was a scandal. I don't don't know what it was, but she got caught in the act. And we find the story, her story right here. It says, but early the next morning, 
he was back again at the temple. This is Jesus back again at the temple. And the crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. And as he was teaching them in this place of the Festival of Tabernacle, he was speaking. And the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. And then they put her in front of the crowd. Let me pause right there. I want to break down this sister's story in three sections so that we can understand how we get to Jesus is making the proclamation of being the light. I want to break it down into three sections. And the three sections are the law, the love, and the light. Number one, the law reveals our guilt. If you're taking notes, that's your first note. The law reveals our guilt. John 8, 2 through 6 says this, But early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. And as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery, and then they put her in front of the crowd. Now, I'm going to stop there. I'm not going to go all the way to 6. I just had to, I was wondering. How did they know what this woman was doing? I thought it was like some real-life scandal stuff. You know, I had to ask these questions. How did they know what was taking place? Was it a setup? It seemed like it's some Cyrus type of stuff for those who watch Scandal. Like Cyrus planted a brother in the house and was like, yo, get busy with her. Then we're going to bust in on him, and then we're going to trap this Jesus dude up. It felt like that as I was reading it. How did they know what was going on that they just kicked in the door, chose this woman randomly doing some stuff? Because here's what's going on. Back in that time, there was a lot of this going on. There was a lot of adultery happening. There were a lot of husbands in places that they shouldn't have been. There were a lot of wives opening their door to men that they shouldn't have been opening the door for. So why isolate this particular woman? Was it a setup? Was it something that would be masked from the mastermind of Cyrus himself that would cause this to happen? A real-life biblical scandal. The other thing that tripped me out was that they brought the woman. According to Mosaic law, if you are convicted, if you are caught in the act of adultery, both parties must be arrested and present. But they just brought the woman. So I'm like, so they didn't bring homeboy because indeed he was planted by Cyrus. Huh? I told you I was going to find a way to preach this scandal thing. I'm pulling it together today, y'all. No, it wasn't Cyrus. But it does make you wonder, why her? Why then? Why is this happening right now? Let me continue. Let me continue. And why didn't they bring the guy? They never even mention him. There's no more mention of him whatsoever. They just bring her, bust in the house, didn't give her a chance to get a dress. She probably was thrown in front of the people, embarrassed with just a sheet on, already embarrassed by her act, but furthermore embarrassed by her natural state. Continue. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. Here they go, trying to mess with Jesus. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down 
and wrote in the dust with his finger. This whole little scripture puzzles me all the time from just how they found out about the woman to Jesus just like they're asking him questions. These are religious leaders, and he just like ignores them and just goes down on the floor. My first thought was, well, maybe he's like, you know what, this is how we're going to settle this. The best two out of three in some tic-tac-toe. Let's get some hangman going on right here in the dirt. That was my first thought. Like, why did he just like they're asking him some real life questions? This life, this woman's life hangs in the in right here. She it's in the balance right there. And Jesus is like, you know what? Let's just settle this right here. What did he do? What did he write down when he stooped down to begin writing? The funny thing about religious folks is it's always easy for us to highlight other people's sins, but not ours. Like how, how these Pharisees and religious leaders immediately pointed out that this woman was caught in something, but they had already broken the law because they didn't bring the man, the other person involved in this. Religious people. That's how we do. Oh, look at you. You ain't been to church in forever. You ain't doing this. But what aren't you doing, Christian? What aren't you doing, Christian? The law reveals our guilt. The law reveals our our guilt. Any, any guilty people in here? Okay, cool. I see some, some hands didn't go up. That's okay. Okay, so let me tell you about the law. Anybody ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Yeah, that's, that's law. Anybody ever tell a lie? Okay, now look at your neighbor. If they didn't raise their hand, they're lying. Look at a liar. We've all told lies. So that means we're all guilty. Huh? Okay, maybe that's not you. That's not you. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're not lying. I know y'all are. Y'all, y'all going to be honest in front of your daddy. I get that. No, daddy, we never lie. Not, don't, whatever that pastor's saying, we just met him. He don't even know us like that. We never lie, daddy. I promise you. And they're lying right now, dad. <laughs> Has anyone uh, 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 ever uh, stolen anything? Some of y'all are like, no, I, I never take nothing in my entire life. Well, I just wonder, like, every week we're replacing pens. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't you that took the pen. Maybe it was accident. I just, I just so happened to put it back in my pocketbook. Okay, cool. I get it. I get it. Liars and thieves in this church. Welcome to Mosaic Church. <laughs> Anyone ever use God's name in vain? Oh, my God, there's some holy folk in here lying again. We all have, huh? Not intentional. OMG is a perfect way. We got some OMGers in here, I'm sure. Huh? And, and, and PG-14 folk, cover your ear. But, you know, when you get caught up in that situation with your spouse, you might say God's name in vain. Some people do. She just said, oh, Jesus, over here, and wasn't even involved in none. Look at this. We have all are guilty in some aspect. Am I right? The law reveals our guilt. The law reveals our guilt, just like this woman at the well, just like this woman at the well. The thing is, it takes a lot of us to admit to, to confess and admit to that. And the challenge is we don't know who we really are. 
because we become Christian, because we give our life to Christ, we volunteer at our church, we do outreach, and we look in the mirror and we say, I'm no longer a sinner. I'm holy. I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. I'm no longer a sinner. And I say it's much easier to embrace your flaws. It makes life so much easier to just say, you know what? I'm flawed. I'm a practicing Christian. That means that I'm doing my best every day to be the best Christian I can be. But that does not mean that I am perfect. That does not mean that I am guiltless. I am guilty. And as long as I'm guilty, that gives my great God, a great God, my great God, an opportunity to save me. Because I'm guilty, I'm always need a savior. So guilty is charged. That's me. And I hope that it's you. There's no no shame and no stain in having that kind of guilt. As long as you have that guilt in your life, then you will always need the Savior. And the minute you find yourself not needing a Savior, then you must think you're him. And that becomes a problem. Second thing I want to share with you, the law reveals reveals our guilt. Say that with me. The law reveals our guilt. Second thing is the love reveals God's grace. The love reveals God's grace. John 6 says this, they were trying to trap him into saying something that could be used against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. I joked just a minute ago about, I wonder what he was writing. Like, did he take that moment to say, we're going to settle this with a game of best two out of three in tic-tac-toe? But I had to do research because I'm nosy like that. I'm like, I can't just, I want to know what to do was right. Somebody there, I guarantee, took a note of it in their Evernote and saved it, and it, somebody knows what happened. I want to know what he was writing because I'm nosy. What did Jesus write? Well, I'll tell you, my brothers and sisters, I did extensive, <laughs> extensive, extensive research, and uh, I didn't find a whole lot of what I was looking for, but I found something that, 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 that may help us understand what he may have been writing. See, see, whatever he was writing didn't technically make it into Scripture, so you have to, you know, read and study the text just a little bit more. Some uh, scholars, and with a little bit of evidence uh, attached to their scholarly view, say this. They say that Jesus was writing at that time. Soon as these accusers came, Jesus stooped looking at them. Remember what I told you all earlier? Adultery was like running rampant in the area at the time. Everybody was messing with everybody. Hubby go out to work. Mama opened the door, but he really didn't go to work. He made a pit stop over there. It was a lot of this stuff going on. So here these accusers are, and a lot of them were political figures and religious figures and stuff. And so here, here these accusers come with this woman, and they're like, Jesus, what shall we do? Jesus stoops down and write. So I'm looking in here, and I says, well, what, 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 what did he write? I'm trying to figure this thing out. What did he write? Scholars and the evidence that we found say that Jesus was writing a list of the sins of the accusers that were there. He began, he, he, he knew who they were. And he began, I'm not making this up, and he began, oh, you're going to bring, oh, you're going to bring her. Okay, let me, let me see if you recognize this. You stopped over at Lulu House at 1030, and you're supposed to be at work. Uh, you, where did you eat your lunch at? Oh, over at Mary House. Okay. He was writing down the sins 
of those who was accusing this lady. I'm not making this up. How do I know? Watch this. Watch this. In this original context of this scripture, here's some Greek for you. The original context of this scripture, they use this word katagraphin. It's a Greek word called katagraphin. They use this word. Now, let me tell you what graphin means first. You can understand. I'm not making this up. In this scripture, they use the word katagraphin. Katagraphin is, is, is an extension of a word graphin. Graphin means to write, but katagraphin is to write the offenses of someone. I'm not making this up. It says it right here. Katagraphin. When they use this in the scripture, katagraphin is to write down a record against someone. So, as I read the scripture, and if I read it in its original Greek context, right, it would say something like this. Jesus stooped down and began to catagraphin these accusers. So I know he was doing something. He wasn't playing tic-tac-toe best two out of three. He was writing down the sins of the religious leaders who didn't look at their own mess. They wanted to just bring this woman out, embarrass the life out of her so that they can try to prove a point and trip up our great Savior. But so wonderful and powerful and gracious and smart and wise he was. He says, y'all want to play this game? Cool. Check this out. I'm going to start writing down y'all stuff. Let me tell y'all what else happened for those who may not be familiar with this story. So he writes down the record against these people. Here's what's going on. They're so caught up in their religious stuff, they're not even paying attention to what he's writing. They're probably mumbling amongst themselves. John 8, 7 says this. They kept demanding an answer. He's down. He's writing their offenses right in front of them, but their nose is so stuck in the doggone air, they don't even see that he's writing and calling them out on their own mess. So they're like, give us an answer. Give us an answer. We want an answer. And Jesus then stands up after he writes this list to these funky people right here. After he writes this list, he, he said he stands up and I said, all right, cool. Y'all keep wanting an answer. Here's the deal. All right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Let me stop right there and open this up a little bit more with some Greek so you can understand exactly what they were talking about here. He wasn't talking about just a list of people and their sins because there may have been some people in there that had never sinned. This is what the word says here. The word never sinned is a word called, ready? Anamartetas. Anamartetas. The Greek word for never sinned is anamartetas, which means... Not without physical sin. Watch this. It's even without sinful desire. So he's saying he, not only without physical sin, but he who is without the desire to sin. If there's anyone among you that don't even have a desire, then and only then you can throw a stone. What do y'all think happened? Huh? Some of them looked at their list, started with the older folk first. They're like, yeah, that's I'm out of here. The other ones began to think like, yeah, when we brought the woman over, I was kind of eyeballing her. So they had a desire. They wished that they were the guy that got caught. Huh? They had desire. So nobody was able to throw the stone. Watch this. Do y'all know that if Jesus would have, here's what they were trying to do when they tripped him up, when they were trying to trip him up. Check this out. By trying to trip him up, this is what they were doing. Had he said, let's go ahead and stone her, that would have challenged 
the compassion that he was so known for during that time. He would have fulfilled and obeyed the law, the Mosaic law that was present at the time, but he would have failed because he would have been a hypocrite based upon the life that he had already set up and lived, the light. We're going to talk about the light in a minute. But had he, had he just said, no, let her go, then the first thing, that, well, the other thing too, had he said, go ahead and stone her, he would have been reported to the Romans because Jews could not perform their own executions without Roman authority. He was jammed up if he said, let's go ahead and stone her. But had he said, no, let her go free, then it would have accused him of blasphemy. Oh, you think you God, you can just make a judgment call like that? Either way, he was trapped up. So what did he do? He put the ball in their court. Y'all figure it out. If you've not sinned, grab the biggest stone you can and knock her upside her head. If you don't even have the desire, you go ahead and get three of y'all get the biggest stone you can and drop it. But they were all like you and me, guilty as charged. And so they walked away. And Jesus, with his love, <laughs> with his love, with his love, showed much grace, much grace, much grace. Grace, much grace, much grace. The love reveals God's grace. So say this with me, y'all. Ready? The law reveals our guilt. We got some guilty folk in here. Y'all mumbling. The law reveals our guilt. The love reveals God's grace. Okay, here we go. Here's the final one I want to share with you. You all ready? You all ready? Here it is. And the light <laughs> reveals our hope. The light reveals our hope. Let me back up here real quick to John 8, verse 9 and 10. After they all walked away from the oldest to the youngest, it says this. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, un until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Here's my part. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn, condemn you? Here's her answer. You'll find it in 11. She said, no, Lord. Here's what Jesus said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Now go and sin no more. The light reveals our hope. I opened up this message with the scripture where Jesus says these words. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have light that leads life. In that moment, Jesus was not the light of the world. He was the light in her world. In that moment, when he accused those people who were, listen, y'all not getting this. She was about to die. She wasn't about to get a butt whooping. She wasn't about to get punished. She wasn't about to be in prison. She was about to die. And Jesus showed up, pointed out the sins of her accusers, and became the light, not in the world, but in her world. How many of you have had God do that for you? Where he became the light in your world, in your dark moment. When you felt hopeless, he became the light that gave you your greatest hope. Maybe that's just me. So I'm going to applaud by my doggone self. 
Maybe that's just me. I'm going to amen by my doggone self. In my darkest moment, he became my greatest hope. I shared a testimony with y'all where my mother, uh, someone broke in on my mother and my sister and I in the middle of the night one time, covered us with sheets, with sheets and right next to us raped my mother. I didn't know God, but I knew prayer and I prayed and my only prayer was to God, my life. He was my only hope because this man, this person, this perpetrator could have easily took that knife that he held to my sister's throat and began to... You understand what I'm saying? Y'all watch the news. I could have been there, but I'm standing here. You can touch me. You can see me because I prayed to my one hope. I'm a living witness to how he is in the darkest place. And let me tell you, baby, there's no place darker than facing death. There's no place darker than facing death right in front of you. You don't know what this man, a person is thinking. Didn't even know God, but I knew prayer. And he was my hope. And he is real because I am real. I'm standing here talking to you because I prayed to my great hope. Let me tell you about some things about light so you can understand how this makes sense for Jesus being the light of the world in your life and mine as well. Jesus spoke to the people once again. Now, after he saved this sister and became the light of her world, he spoke to them again. He went back to what he was doing. He saved her, offered grace, offered mercy, prayed for her, all of those things. He spoke to the people once again, and he said this, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that just hit me in my spirit. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because Jesus is the light of my world, of your world, of the world. And I follow him. And because I follow him, I won't walk in darkness because I will have the light that leads to life. Darkness, y'all, is the absence of light. You can't add darkness to light, but you can always add light to darkness. You can go in the darkest place in the world and have a small little lighter, and that will illuminate the doggone place. When the lights go out and there's a blackout, if you live in Atlanta, you've experienced it, and you understand what I'm saying. The first thing you do is grab something that will flick, right? And if you have a lighter or a match, whatever will do, a little flame gives you enough to see where you need to be going to find the safest place to get some power back on. Y'all understand what I'm talking about. When there's a blackout, the first thing you do is find some source of light, even if it's a flashlight, that flashlight illuminates the room just enough for you to find what? Safety. Watch this. When you are in your darkest moment and you are feeling hopeless, when you feel like your prayers are unanswered, turn on your doggone flashlight and connect with the almighty light, the light of the world. And in that moment, allow him to become your personal light. Woo! Jesus is the light of the world. 
That's the great thing about it. Watch this. What y'all need to know is y'all need to remember this. Jesus is the light of the world. See, we know that. Uh, uh, we, we forget that sometimes. And what happens is our spiritual adversary, when we are in our dark place, begins to whisper in our ear. See, last night I was on the phone with a young lady who sent me an inbox message on Facebook. And she says, you know what? Today I thought about killing myself. And I says, no, no, baby, don't do that. Call me ASAP. And we talked on the phone. I ended the conversation with turn on your light, baby. You don't understand. You are the light. You have the light. Let your light shine in this dark world. Don't let the enemy in your vulnerable place begin to talk nasty negativity into your ear and then let it rest in your spirit. What you have is a connection with a light source that Georgia Power can't cut off, baby. Let me tell you something. You connected with the source that, that, that illuminates forever and eternity. So you don't give up right now. You need to quit some things in your life, but you don't quit life, baby. Hang on in there. Let me tell you about what Jesus did for me. And I began to tell her my testimony and she began to weep uncontrollably. And I said, baby, it's going to be all right. I got your back because I, he has my back and he's got your back. He is the light of the world. And see, when you're alone and isolated in your darkness and you ain't got nobody there holding you accountable, you don't have anyone there touching and agreeing with you in prayer. When you're there and you're hurting and you're, you're praying for your family, you're praying for your kids, you're praying for your marriage, you ain't got nobody there touching and agreeing with you. It's very easy for the enemy to be whispering in your ear, quit, give up. You don't need him. Do something else. You don't need them church folk. You don't need Jesus. He ain't even show up for you when you wanted him to. And you begin believing that mess. And you give up on the one light source is all you need. Better than the energizer battery. His light illuminates forever. Forever. Stay connected to the one power source you need. Stay connected. Hallelujah. And for the record, I talked that sister off the ledge, and we spoke this morning. She's well. She's doing very well. She's doing hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's hurting people in this world, y'all. Y'all think y'all, people everywhere got problems. People everywhere got problems. This girl ain't even 20 yet. Oh, Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for being the light. When Jesus told the woman in that previous verse that he doesn't condemn her, that's the same thing for you and I. There's no condemnation. I don't care what you did an hour ago. You were not condemned. I don't care what your impure thoughts were a minute ago. You were not condemned. You are not condemned. There is no condemnation. Repeat these with me, and we're out of here today. Repeat these with me. The law, the law reveals our guilt. The law reveals God's grace. And the light reveals our hope. 
thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.